Dr. Zayas, I've found the most curious device in the Forbidden Zone. It would appear to play something called movie reviews. Mm. All my life I've awaited its coming and dreaded it, like death itself. Why? It appears to be nothing more than a technological trinket. Because it is a podcast. I've always known about these movie review podcasts. Their wisdom walks hand in hand with their idiocy. They give battle to every movie ever made. I think you're overacting a little, Dr. Zayas. The movie industry was once a paradise. These podcasts made a desert of it ages ago. Whatever, Dr. Alarmist. I'm going to listen to it. According to the screen, this one is called Late Seating. Don't listen to it, Cornelius. You may not like what you hear. Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, we take a classic film and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, Steve and I are coming out of our hyperventilation... Hyperventilation chamber? (laughs) That, too. Out of our our cryogenic sleep thing, our our little space coffins, and... (laughs) We're disembarking onto a particular planet, aren't we, Steve? Yeah, yeah, and it's a planet that's named after a particular species that lives on it. Space babes? Please let this yeah. be the planet of space babes. <laughs> I mean, the planet of space babes, it's a little misleadingly named. It's mostly just apes on that one, too. Uh, well, can, can it be the planet of uh, air hostesses with loose morals? Mostly apes. Uh, <laughs> what planet are we going on to, Steve? The planet of the apes. Oh, the Which remake is actually yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Tim Burton one. Oh boy, no, guys, please don't turn off, the, don't turn don't. the podcast. We're not doing the Tim Burton one. We're doing the original one. As much as you guys like to hear us be upset, we're not that kind of podcast. No, and remember, we only do significant movies. <laughs> oh, major burn. Yeah, take that, Tim Burton. Now go run home and sleep on your giant pile of money. That'll show us. Or yeah, yeah, some guys on a podcast just served you, Tim Burton. <laughs> That's right, Planet of the Apes, a movie about a planet of apes. Yep, I mean, which, you know, we only see a tiny portion of the planet. That's true. Could just be region of the apes. Yeah, it, it could kind of be like uh, eastern section of a state of the planet of the apes. <sighs> yeah, but that's too wordy. 300 square kilometers of the apes. That title's got no sex appeal. You know, it's quite possible that's the only place where the apes are, and the rest of it could be air hostesses with loose morals, Dave. That's, well, uh, which would be perfect, you know, because... And maybe the the planet of air hostesses with loose morals is just crawling with apes. Hi, I'm Barbara. (laughs) I'm Tiffany. You didn't come from the stinky ape place, did you? (laughs) I'm going there. I'm not coming back, Steve. No, I'm not. No. The apes are pretty confined into their own little area. <laughs> Everything else is forbidden zone to them. They never really wander too far. Would you like a drink? <laughs> they are air hostesses, Steve. That's true. Uh, cigarettes? It's the 60s. 
No, That's right. Gives a shit. Before we diverge into Jason's bizarre sexual psyche, let's let's talk about the movie. Do you have any trivia that you would like to impart about the Planet of the Apes before I start talking about the people who made it? I do. I have two little bits of trivia. Uh, Go for it. The, 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 the first is, when adjusted for inflation, uh, this movie has the most expensive makeup budget ever. Oh, well, that goes without saying. Yeah, I mean, it, and according to the IMDb page, the makeup budget represented 17% of the total budget of the movie. The rest a... went to Greece for Charlton Heston's chest. Yeah. <laughs> and payouts just to keep him on the set. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he wanted also, to do this movie. No, that's true. He didn't want to do he didn't want to do the sequel. He was okay with He's this. He's a one. real weird conservative. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do this ape movie. It's going to be tremendous. It's an allegory about the rejection of science and evolution. And yeah. also oh. maybe have racial tension, something in there. And oh. I'm a Republican. <laughs> wow. Things were different back then, huh? <laughs> and what's the other bit of trivia? The other bit of trivia is Planet of the Apes is one of only two movies to feature nudity while also being rated G. What? No, there's yes. plenty of... Wait, it's rated G? It's rated G. There's lobotomies in this movie. It's rated G. There's blood. He gets shot in the neck. Rated G. There's a, uh, a spooky witch coffin lady when the thing goes bad in the spaceship. This film has been approved for general audiences. <laughs> It's rated G. And the apparently, the other G-rated movie to feature nudity is The Bible in the beginning, which came out two years before this. Okay. Well, I guess that makes sense. And... So there you go. The late 60s was the golden age for dirty G-rated movies. Yeah, but the only nudity in this movie is dirty dude butt. Well, I mean, maybe you didn't get anything out of it. But, I didn't. You know. <laughs> I need some titties, Steve. <laughs> That would have been a, that would have been a very different movie. I saw more of Charlton Heston's butt in this movie than his proctologist. Well, you know, people don't take baths in lakes with their clothes on. No, no, it's true. It's not. It's not called clothed dipping. <laughs> it's called skinny dipping. That doesn't make any sense either. I know. Because like, big so people what, oh, go naked, swim naked sometimes. Yeah. What about it? Well, they don't call that chubby dipping, do they? No, they don't. I, well, as far as I know. <laughs> Can we talk about the movie, please? Yes, let's talk about the movie. <laughs> All right. Here's the people that are responsible for it. It was directed <laughs> by Franklin J. Schaffner. Now, he... This is like the beginning of a string of hits for him. Or at least string of uh, string of very notable movies, because right after this he did Patton, mm. then he did Nicholas and Alexandra, then he did Papillon, and then he did Boys from Brazil. Wow, he did pretty well for himself in the seventies. That's quite I think, a run. I think he died or just stopped <laughs> making movies. I'm not sure what happened after that. It was produced by Arthur P. Jacobs. Um, he produced all of the Apes films, and the only other really notable film he's produced is Doctor Doolittle, which I guess has mm. apes in it. Um, yeah, technically. Technically. Uh, screenplay by Michael Wilson and Rod Serling. Now, um, originally, they purchased the rights to this book before the book was published, and they gave it to Rod Serling, and he did like 40 drafts of the screenplay before it was handed over to Michael Wilson. And they just gave... Screenwriter, he allowed 
them now give screenwriting primary screenwriting credit to Michael Wilson. Now, there are a couple of things in this script that are very much not like Rod Serling or Michael Wilson as far as writing goes, and that's because a unnamed punch-up writer came in and put in stupid things like human <laughs> see, human do, and, you know, he was... I've never met an ape I didn't like, and he basically yeah. threw in a bunch of really gross, stupid fucking puns. I wish I knew that guy was! Sorry. <laughs> We, are, are we sure it wasn't Joel Schumacher? I'm positive. Anyway, <laughs> it's based on Planet of the Apes by Pierre Boulet. Hey, you know what else he wrote, Steve? What else did he wrote? He wrote the book The Bridge Over the River Kwai. Oh, that was somewhat successful. You want to know why he wrote that book? Why did he write it? Because he was in he as a, working as a spy for the French government during World War II. He was captured by the Japanese and forced to build a bridge. Oh, so he, so he was writing from personal experience. Yeah, and then I so guess wh- he got in a spaceship and crashed <laughs> yeah. on a planet of apes. <laughs> wow. But, I mean, think about that. Think about, okay, you know, we have a bunch of whiny, bitchy writers now who don't do anything. This dude was a spy, was yeah. forced to build a bridge, wrote a book about it, which was turned into an awesome movie that we'll eventually review one day, mm. and then turned around and went, you know what I want to do? I wish to write a book. <laughs> About the planet filled with apes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like people so much. <laughs> I will write a book with mostly apes. That's like, that's like, uh, I have written War and Peace. My next book is about a series of gerbils that attack um, snakes, maybe. I call it gerbil <laughs> snake. Fight! I am not solid on title yet. But. I, I I I write treatment for spring break car wash. <laughs> Going in a little bit of a different direction with this next one. I wrote a new book. is called Planet of the Air Hostesses. <laughs> Just sort of a light-hearted kind of a smutty yeah. romp. I think After like I it. write Anna Karenina, I need something light. You know, something to lift my mood. The last lady I had, she died by throwing herself on the train. So, I think Planet of Air Hostesses, they just throw themselves in front of airplanes. (laughs) But it's funny, I like. (laughs) It's all in the presentation. Don't judge till you see it. Okay, everyone wants to know where we're going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, if they figure it out before we do, make sure they let us know. All right, it stars Charlton Heston as... Now, here's the thing. I've watched this movie a gajillion bajillion times. And I only know his character as Taylor. Yes. You know what his first name is? Uh, Apparently it's George. Apparently it's George. But yeah, it's never established on screen. No wonder they only went with Taylor, because George just... Yeah, it changes the movie if his name is George. <laughs> he doesn't really look like a George, does he? No. Roddy McDowell is Cornelius. Kim Hunter is Zira. Hey, you know who they wanted to cast as Kim Hunter, and then she turned it down and regretted turning it down. Who was that? Ingrid Bergman. Oh, that would have been interesting. Oh. Maurice Evan is Doctor Zayas. James Whitmore is President of the Assembly. James Daly is Honorius. Linda Harrison. Her- I'm sorry, Linda Harrison as probably one of the first girls that I ever had a crush on as a little tiny kid. Aww. As Nova. You know what else they wanted for Nova? Who else? Ursula Andress. Or, uh, yeah. or Raquel Welch. Both both respectable choices. Yeah, I love Raquel. I love you, Raquel Welch, wherever you are. 
Um, Linda Harrison also conveniently was uh, dating Daryl Zanuck, the head of the oh, studio. <laughs> that, now, see, that was probably just a coincidence. I'm sure she had to to, yep. to try out like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Gunner as Landon, Lou Wagner as Lucius, Woodrow Parfrey as Maximus, Jeff Barton as Dodge, Buck Car- Cartelayan, I guess, I don't know, Ju- as Julius, Norman Burton as Hunt Leader. Wright King as Dr. Galen, and Paul Lambert as Minister. Music by Jerry Goldsmith. Cinematography by Leon Shamroy. Edited by Hugh S. Fowler. And uh, here's something funny. Did you notice this in the film? There are only hard cuts. I didn't notice that. He only that, has but now two fades. It. It's a fade in and a fade out. The rest yeah. of the movie, there are no dissolves. They're all hard cuts. I don't know if that was a choice or if they were just like, get it out as fast as possible. Well, it would be nice if we did a crossfade. No, fuck you. Hard cuts. Everything hard cuts. All right. Okay. I wonder I wonder if that's like an editor's philosophy. Like there are editors who are like, none of these fucking dissolves. Yeah, you need a hard cut. That's what you get. <laughs> well, Fowler won, won an Academy Award the next year for Patton. Do you remember how Patton opens? Quick, hard cuts of Patton's uniform. Remember that? He likes, he likes hard cuts. Yeah. And Fowler's been in the industry for years and years and years and years. So so who are we to question him? Yeah. He got his Oscar, then he died. Anyway, uh, that's not a joke. He did. <laughs> I finally got my Oscar. I think he lived three more years and then he died. Uh, production company Appjack Productions, distributed by 20th Century Fox. It was released on April 3rd, 1968, and we just discovered this ourselves mm-hmm. <laughs> on the same goddamn day as 2001 A Space Odyssey. Guys, if you were a sci-fi nerd on a, on April 3rd, 1968, Boy. you had a Sophie's goddamn choice to make. <laughs> and such, uh, I mean, such two very different choices. And if that was a Friday night... And it was Star Trek was on? Oh. Holy shit, what were you going to do? <laughs> Psy- the psychiatric hospitals filled from coast to coast. Because those still existed back then. <laughs> uh, running time, 112 minutes. Uh, budget, $5.8 Box office, $33.4 million. So it made its money back and a respectable sum on top of that. And it has gone down in history for a thing at the end. And also the makeup. Yes, and because they made four more. Yeah, they also made four more. And then they rebooted it. And then they rebooted it again. There was a TV show and a cartoon. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. true. There was a TV show. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of uh, cemented into our, uh, into our psyches at this point for some reason. Yeah, we're stuck with it whether we like it or not. Yeah. Oh. It's almost like this is the planet of the apes. <laughs> Am I right? All right, Steve, let's, uh, I don't know, should we get in the the spaceship that has no name? I mean, it was called, I think, Air Force One at one point. Um, I think fans called it the Icarus. Yeah. Um, That that kind of stuck. I'm going to call it uh, pointy spacecraft that isn't airtight. Because it sinks. (laughs) Yeah, right. Don't call it the boat, because that's a bad name for it. It's fine in space, but not in the water for some reason. Boy, <laughs> yeah. Think about that till it makes sense. <laughs> You'll be here for the rest of the podcast. Yeah. All right, Steve, come on, let's, let's go. Do let's do it. Okay. Let's check the year, and I'm going to set the timer, and we're going to get into our little space coffins. I mean, okay. sleep pods or whatever it's you're, called. And make you sure you set the timer for the right time, because we don't want to wake up like 2,000 years after we're supposed to wake up. What? I was pressing buttons and looking at you while I was setting oh. the timer. What did you say? Sorry. I was just, no, nah, never mind. Oh, wait, I'm... <laughs> And let's go in two, 
the planet of the apes. <laughs> Steve, take it away. Before we get to the planet of the apes, we have some scenes on the spaceship of the humans. Mm. Yeah. yeah, dig the crazy Actually, light show, man. Yeah, space is freaky. Oh, it's really trippy on the outside. I came here for the apes, but I got a light show, dude. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we meet we meet Taylor, who is Charlton Heston. Who is, I hate people. Yeah, I hate people, and every, I hate the people. I'm a, I hate everyone, and I hate the people on this ship most of all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just put my crew to bed, and now I'm going to piss and moan and for a few I'm minutes. Doing something you shouldn't do in a spaceship that only has one room. I'm smoking a cigar, and I'm putting it out on the console. <laughs> Stab there. <laughs> fuck everybody, and fuck you. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't turn around and just start flipping off the people that are asleep in their little space coffins. <laughs> yeah, right. Get that camera out of my face. <laughs> Yeah, we're rolling. We're rolling, I, Chuck. Shut I'm, up. I'm breaking the fourth wall. I don't <laughs> care. Anyway, he's a spaceman. Yeah, and they 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 for left answer. <laughs> the laziest bit of sci-fi writing I have ever seen. Yeah, gee, I wonder what that's supposed to be. <laughs> what does it stand for, though? I don't know. Aeronautics National Space Administration? <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. It's almost as bad. And I love Farscape, don't get me wrong, but I think that was the IASA, where they replaced yeah. the N with the I from National to International Aeronautics and Space Administration. Yeah, so now it's IASA. Yeah, that's that's good. Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's a spaceman, and what are they doing? Well, they... they they went off on this really preposterous mission <laughs> where where they left Earth, and because they've been traveling so fast, uh, because of time dilation, only about six months have passed for them on the ship. But by the time they get back to Earth, it will be 700 years in the future. Well, that's how light speed travel works, and if I gave a fuck about humanity or Earth... I'd give a damn, but I don't. <laughs> Taylor seems downright happy that all of his family and friends will be dead when he gets back to Earth. Now, it shows uh, it shows mission time, right? Yeah. And it also shows uh, what year it is on Earth, right? Right. So what was it? What was the year on Earth when, when, he, when he decides he's going to go to nappy time? Oh, I, it was... Uh, like 2600. 26, yeah, it was supposed to be set like 700 years in the future, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, what what year did they leave? Uh, sometime in the seventies, okay. like nineteen seventy something, supposedly. Okay. Yeah. So we 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 do. There's a huge jump. We went. Yeah. Fuck it. We went to the moon. Fuck it. We hadn't even landed on the moon yet. No. <laughs> We're sending people into space, and they're not coming back for seven hundred years. <laughs> they're going to be in a ship that can travel the speed of light, apparently. Yeah, and we have we have the ability to put them in suspended animation. Yeah, it's like, we haven't even gone to Mars yet. <laughs> ah, fuck it, we're skipping ahead. Can I go? I hate everyone and everything on this planet. Yeah, you seem psychologically stable. <laughs> you can be the leader. <laughs> You're goddamn right I can. Uh, so he gets into his little sleepy go-bye-bye. 
Yep. And he has a dream about the credits. Yeah, we we get some credits as the ship flies through the By kaleidoscope the way, he's, of space. Before he gets into bed, he's talking, right? He's just yeah. like he's has his little monologue about how he doesn't really like people and he doesn't like humanity and I'm in a spaceship and we're traveling faster than the speed of light. And I'm really hoping that he was recording that and not just <laughs> fucking talking to nobody. He's just whinging to the ceiling. Just, <laughs> I hate this whole thing. I'm sabotaging this ship. <laughs> I think I can convince uh, them it was an accident. Yeah. So then he goes to bed, and then we get the credits. Yeah. Right? Yep. And then we cut to a really neat uh, kind of spaceship POV. We come crashing through the atmosphere, and we're dodging mesas, and it's kind of like a big... You know what it is? It's it's a ride at Six Flags over Ape City. It's, exactly. It's basically like, you're like, ah, we're flying all over the place, and then what happens, Steve? They crash into a, a, a lake or a sea or something. It's a lake. Yeah. And uh, they get up. And uh, they're like, hey, we grew beards. Right? <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if the lady grew a beard. Let's check the lady. Oh, she didn't grow a beard, Steve. Oh, oh, she's a mummy. She turned into like a witch or something. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's got a crack in her thing and she'd been, I guess, suffocated. And, yeah. And... I told you she was cursed. <laughs> you wouldn't we're, listen to me. We're better off without her. <laughs> but before they can really be less nonplussed that one of their crew members have died. Yeah. Um, this airtight ship that has been flying through space for 2,000 years, we know that because <laughs> he looks at the clock, springs leaks everywhere. Out of every bulkhead, behind every panel, water starts shooting out. Yeah. And they're like, hey, let's get out of here. And they grab a boat, and Chuck Keston checks the clock, and it's it checks the thing, and it says it's 3978. Hmm, interesting. And uh, they get off the ship. The ship sinks. They they paddle along a little ways. They get up on the shore. And we find out that Taylor is kind of a big old fucking jerk. He's an asshole, Steve. <laughs> He's a huge asshole, yeah. Langdon I'm... is kind of like, hey, don't be such a jerk. <laughs> Fuck and, you. Yeah, Taylor's like, hey, guess what? It's been 2,000 years. Everyone you know on Earth is dead. Everything you loved, everything. Yeah. And he he really, he seems happy. He seems so happy. He is so <laughs> glad that everything on Earth is dead. That everyone you've they've out, ever known is dead. You've outlived everyone by 2,000 years. And Langdon's like, I, I just wanted to explore and be a space explorer. <laughs> Shut up, you pussy. Fuck you. Why are you here? Fuck you, that's why. <laughs> because I wanted to leave the Earth so bad, that's why. <laughs> I actually strangled the original captain, he's in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> because they wanted a real man I'm on not this actually mission. Taylor. <laughs> <sighs> so now we get, uh, we get rock climbing. Oh boy, yeah, and walking through the desert... We like padding the film. <laughs> and uh, I guess some boulders are like, enough of this. And they they attack them by rolling down the hill at them. The, the screenwriter told the boulders it was time for the action beat. Mm -hmm. And the boulders said, okay, we got it. So now Taylor and Langdon talk some more about stuff. Taylor cements more that he's a jerk and he hates humanity. I'm starting to really think that this whole mission was to get rid of Taylor. Yeah. Look, does anybody else want to go with Taylor? 
<laughs> It'd be suspicious if we just sent him out by himself. We need to trick him into thinking this is like a mission, okay? Yeah. yeah they're Anybody getting a little you? they're getting a little upset because they only have enough provisions for three days. Yeah. And they gotta find life. They gotta find drinkable water and they gotta find food. Or Taylor's gonna get really happy when they all start starving to death. He's gonna be like, This is great. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one dead. Excellent. And you know what's really satisfying is that when I watch you die, I'll know uh, you're the next to last human. <laughs> then when I die, I'm going to be looking in a mirror so I can watch the last human die. I win. <laughs> I'm not even going to bury you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but so they're they're yeah. they're going through the desert, and and then. Uh, all of a sudden, they well, first they find a plant. It's the first, like, living thing that they've found since and they, they left kill the it. ship. Yeah. They kill it immediately. <laughs> they find the first living thing, which they immediately rip out of the ground. And they're like, and carry with them for some reason. And he's like, if there's one of these, there's going to be more and more. And, and someone should have said, are you sure? <laughs> Maybe not, though. <laughs> this could be the last of it. May- Maybe this planet is kind of on the down slope. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But thankfully, you know, there's more plants, and they find more plants, and there's more rock climbing, and then all of a sudden there are giant scarecrows everywhere. Yeah, they they find the uh, the retirement home of the Blair Witch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I moved here for the dry climate. They see these big scarecrow kind of like things. Yeah, covered with hair and whatever, and they climb up to take a look at them. But as soon as they get up there, they discover something else that's more important, right, Steve? Yeah, they they find water. There's this huge waterfall and a big, you know, uh, like a stream and a pond. Yeah, yeah. they're like, okay, forget the scarecrow thingies. Mm-hmm. Let's Jessica get naked. Six is swimming in it. Oh, sorry, that's another movie. Sorry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's the same body of water though. Yes, yes. Um, and so then we get to see them strip naked and we see their butts all over the yeah, place. Yeah, that's, that's right. But Drink it in, ladies. While they're, and you while fellas, too. I know you're looking. <laughs> when they're swimming naked, someone done steals their stuff. Oh, merry pranksters. Yeah, and so now we we have an extended scene of hide the pickle. Yeah, they where... they they they, uh, they predict the opening credits of the Austin Powers movies by yeah, several they decades. Know. Because we have to go through this entire scene where we keep hiding behind they 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 hide their dicks behind every bush in existence because they're following the people the the people that stole their clothes and they come across a whole bunch of people, don't they, Steve? Yeah, yeah, but uh, they notice that these people. They first, well, they they look a little primitive. They're yeah. a little dirty. They're not wearing a whole lot, and right. and also nobody's saying anything. There's no talking or noise or anything. And originally, the original script had all the women bare chested, which would have been the movie you wanted. Well, yeah, presumably, yeah, it would have, and the movie would have taken a dramatic turn at this point for me. <laughs> Excuse me. Anyway, so they see these people and they're eating like corn. And yeah. they're pulling down melons from a tree. Melons don't grow from trees, but what the fuck ever? Who cares? Uh, melon trees. It's, as far on. as they're concerned, it's an alien planet with people on it. Because that's what they think. They think they're on an alien planet, right? Right. They're well, on of an course, alien planet. Of course they are. Yeah. That's how things work. Yes. <laughs> they're on an alien planet, everybody. Yeah, with breathable atmosphere and, and organic and humans. life and human <laughs> beings. And corn. And melon trees. It's an it's a it's an alien planet where where a plant identical to our genetically engineered crop corn just so happened to grow naturally. 
That's right. Uh, you know, yes. that, that crop that had to be cultivated and interbred and yes. developed to a point for ears to be that big because wild corn is actually not that impressive. Yeah. It just yeah, evolution took a different path on this planet, this completely different planet. Right. Yeah. Oh, and also uh, Heston uh, Spice's future girlfriend out there. Yeah. 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 Dibs. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, they're looking at him and they're like, hey, they all seem to be mute and they all seem to be dumb. Uh, in six months, we're going to be king, kings of this planet. And the other two are like, um, what? I thought uh. you hated people. <laughs> but now I'm going to rule them. <laughs> and just when he starts making his plans to uh, but make the rest of humanity submit to him, <laughs> um, they're attacked by a bunch of sticks. Yeah. A bunch yeah. of sti- sticks coming. They All the humans start running. And we see sticks, and then we see people on horses, and then there's nets. Except they're not people, are they, Steve? They're apes riding horses! That's right, and they've got guns and stuff, and they start rounding up the people and shooting them and stuff like that. That's not cool. And then Dodge is shot in the back of the neck, and he dies. Uh-oh. And, and, uh, what's his name? Landon falls off a cliff. Yeah, but he gets captured. Yeah, and then uh, Charlton Heston gets shot in the neck, and he falls down, and he gets captured. They're really good with neck shots, these apes. And we notice that these apes wear clothes. Mm -hmm. They've got guns, and they talk. Yeah. English. (laughs) English, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they round up some of the people. They put them in uh, a cage wagon, and then we go to Ape City. Yep. And uh, we're in the Ape City vivisectionist office i don't know what what is this place it's a science thing yeah it's it's like ape dr mengala it seems like they do like <laughs> brain surgery on the on the humans to try and develop are, are you saying that zira is the equivalent of dr mengala in the planet of well, the apes well maybe not her she's uh-huh. just she's just following orders Oh, okay great but you know maybe like the, the maybe like dr zayas would be dr mengala <sighs> so, um... Everything's you know, Nazis. Everything's they, Nazis. Yeah. They bring him in, and uh, they notice, oh, no, uh, it looks like this one got shot with a paintball in the neck. Because I don't see <laughs> any kind of wound. Just bright red paint all over his neck. And uh, we learn about some Ape City politics, right? Yeah, yeah. We there's a, there's a one line of dialogue where apparently there used to be, like, a caste system where the different kinds of apes were regimented. And, like, and what I kind guess, of apes does there appear to be? Well, it looks like there's there's chimpanzees, which are what the the doctors are. Yeah. There's there's gorillas, which it looked like most of the soldiers were. And assistants. And assistants. All and, of the uh, yeah. thug muscle. Yeah, and then there's uh, I guess orangutans, mm-hmm. and they seem to be the ones that are in charge. Right. And uh, on this alien planet, as far as he's concerned, they yes, all speak alien English. Planet. They all yeah. speak and write English. Oh yeah. Despite the fact that we see ape writing elsewhere in Ape City, and it's not English, Steve. Can you explain that to me, please? They have a very complex culture. Oh, okay. Where they can read and write English. Yeah, and they probably have, like, a more formal written language that they use, you know, for, 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 uh, like, official occasions and for signage Mm. and such, you know. Yeah, and we were so, uh, we were so (laughs) Earth-centric. That we just naturally assume that there was intelligence on other planets. It would they would all speak English too, right? Well, well yeah. And be populated by people. What? They just got one thing wrong, and they made apes the thing. That's what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. what other what, what other language would they speak? 
I mean, come on. Uh-huh. So now we meet we meet Zira, who's like this nice nice chimpanzee lady. Yeah. And she's a doctor. And we meet Doctor Zaius, who is a not so nice orangutan. He's what is he? He's the head of science, and he's 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 the minister of science and the defender of the faith. Yeah, because those things aren't in conflict at all. <laughs> oh well, you know. If only the movie had some point to make about that. I don't think it has any point to make about it, does it? Me neither. <laughs> no, not at all. This is just a fun movie about the apes. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing, there, there is no subtext here at all. Rod Serling never wrote subtext, no, ever. No, Social commentary, nope. I just wanted to write a fun adventure movie with apes. <laughs> Stop trying to find a message. There isn't a message. Oh, and we also learned one other thing. Um, they really hate people, don't they, Steve? Oh, boy, they really hate people. I think they hate people more, I would say, more than people on our Earth hate apes. Do we hate apes? I don't think we do. I don't think we really hate them. Did we hate them back in the 60s? I don't think we did. I always thought we thought they were kind of cool. They have a tendency to throw their poo around. It turns out that chimpanzees are the most violent. But that's kind of fun, right? How is it fun? I mean, not if you're the one hit with the poo, but just in general. I mean, who doesn't love to see? Not if you're the one that gets their face bitten off and all their fingers removed and have their testicles torn off, because that's what a chip can do to you in about five seconds flat. Yeah, but then you have to ask, you know, what did the human do to deserve that? Oh, we're not going to have this discussion right now, are we, Steve? How, how dare you victim blame the victims of those chimps? <laughs> anyway, yeah, they, so they don't locked... like humans at all. No. Yeah. So he's locked up in a cage, and he gets a present, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, Linda Harrison, the, the yeah. girl that he was kind of sweet on. Yeah. Yeah, they're putting the cage together, and he's like, "Okay, well, maybe this isn't so bad." <laughs> Thank you very much. Of course, he can't talk because. Uh... He had an injury in his throat, conveniently. Yeah. He was shot by a plot contrivance. Yeah, so now he looks totally native because he's got, you know, clothes on, you know, with his rags on, and yeah. and he can't talk because of his throat, and he's got a beard, so it just looks like all the other dirty humans, except he's not, you know, a brunette, which seems to be the running hair color for all the humans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, they've they named him Bright Eyes. Yeah, she's named him Bright Eyes. Yeah. Yeah, Zero calls him Bright Eyes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the next day, we meet Cornelius while everyone's outside in the exercise yard. And uh, Cornelius is her boyfriend, and he's an archaeologist? Yeah, apparently, yeah. And we find out some more stuff, like uh, all of their work is controlled by the Ministry of Dickheads. And um, if they say things that they don't agree with, they could be flogged or hung or a number, any number of things, right? Yeah, yeah, because there's there's science, but then there's mm. questions you shouldn't be asking. Now, I'd like to point out that they keep talking about ministries and uh, councils and all this stuff. Uh, Ape City looks to be about as has a population of maybe twenty apes. <laughs> yeah. But they cherish their traditions. I guess they make it sound like it's huge, but there's only like, it's not a big city, Steve. No, no. And the, I have to say, the the human enclosure seems to be their major structure. Yeah, that's like, true. For, for, for a society that, that looks down on humans as much as this one does, they really put a lot of space into the place <laughs> where they keep the humans that they catch. It seems you know? to be their primary export and import is yeah. people. People wow. meat, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Eight burgers are people. 
the people. Anyway, uh, we meet Dr. Zayas again, who shows up again, and he's like, I just want to tell all of you once and again that I like God, and uh, humans are gross, and you stop looking into science. Yeah. Scientist people, goodbye. <laughs> I'm the antagonist. Uh, back inside, Taylor steals a pen and a piece of paper from Zira and writes her a little love note. Yeah. And once again, it's really good that she knows how to speak and read English. Yeah. She's like, oh, shit. What he writes on the piece of paper is, my name is Taylor. And she's like, get him a collar. I'm taking him out. And the gorilla's like, that's a bad idea. He's been really violent. And she's like, I don't care. (laughs) Shut up, gorilla. You're a lower caste gorilla. (laughs) Shut the fuck up and give me a leash, gorilla. I don't care. In real life, gorillas are actually quite gentle. (laughs) Yeah. Here, you're a brute. (laughs) (laughs) She takes uh, Bright Eyes back to her place or to Cornelius's office or yeah, somewhere to to Luke Skywalker's farm. Yeah, to where he where where Taylor then commences to write, I guess, his entire biography. And yeah. despite the fact that Cornelius is watching him write it and then reading it out loud, he's like, "It's a trick." Yeah, he memorized all this. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where we confirm uh, that uh, they both have scientific ideas that are nutty for their society. Yeah. Um, and and also that their society isn't all that technologically advanced. It is isn't. It, it isn't. No. The, yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. They it have ballpoint pens, but they don't have. <laughs> they have. They have carbine rifles and brain Steve. surgery and brain surgery. But they don't even they they don't believe that flight is even possible. Yeah, and, and they, they don't, don't believe in uh, space flight. They think cars. that's just kooky. They have medicine and archaeology, but they don't. It's really it's. I don't know what happens, Steve. <laughs> they don't have electricity. Yeah, they don't have like they don't seem to have any kind of what we would consider like modern technology. Mm-hmm. And they don't seem to even know about it. But yet, yeah, they they have. Uh, like, how do you how do you have brain surgery without electricity? <laughs> <laughs> you just do it. You do just, it. You just, just cut them open. It. What? <laughs> Pretty sure we had brain surgery before we had electricity, but we didn't call it brain surgery. Yeah, we weren't very good at it. We called it the drill into someone's head until they're quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in the, before electricity, when your doctor came in and said we're going to try brain surgery, you weren't like, oh, okay. Right. That'll fix me. So we discover that they're kind of like a theocracy. Yeah. And then Dr. Zayas shows up. And he's like, hello, I'm here to remind you all again that I kind of I don't agree with this and I don't like this guy. And, <laughs> oh, I don't believe in science. And, oh, religion, religion. Yeah. And then Taylor goes back to his cell. And then a girl comes in and says... We're going to neuter you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They actually don't ever address him because they think he's a dumb animal. Right. And he's like, yeah, he's going to be gelded. And they're like, oh, but he wanted, they wanted him to mate with this woman. And they're like, I don't don't care. Well, Dr. Zayas is working out a personal grudge here. Dr. Zayas has put on his neutering gown. (laughs) He wants to neuter this human. I want you to put that bright eyes one at the top of the neuter list. That's right. And so, uh, as they're getting ready to take him out, he escapes. Uh-oh. And then he just runs down the middle of streets in broad daylight, because yeah. that's smart. 
Like, just leave Ape City, man. It's not that big. It's not that big. It's like four <laughs> buildings and a bridge. Stop running around. Just head for the <laughs> cornfield, man. <laughs> but he, he manages to stay loose for a while, even though he inexplicably doesn't ever leave the city. Yeah, we kind of have a fugitive's tour of Ape City. There's like yeah. an amphitheater and a church and um, a museum. Now, explain this to me, Steve. <laughs> the museum seems to be the biggest thing in all of Ape City. It's bigger than the yeah. church. It's bigger than the place where they're keeping. They talk about a zoo later on. That there's there's a vivi- there's an anti vivisectionist league. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. This is a, this is, is that like two society. people? <laughs> is that like two apes? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I don't like that they uh, cut up the humans. Me neither. There's your anti vivisection society. Anyway, he's running around this city filled with maybe at, at best sixteen apes. <laughs> And it was a slow day. It's a wor- it's during a the work day. day. Uh, but when he's in the museum, he finds out that Dodge, one of his his co guys, managed to find work in the museum. <laughs> yes, yes, as an exhibit. It was ex- it was established through dialogue earlier that Dodge was the type of person that was in it for the science. Irony. Now he is an exhibit. Get it? Yeah. Rod Serling, Rod Serling splooged all over that page of the he script. He was like, I'm such a genius. Uh, it's, oh, it's so ironic. I, I'm only, I've only smoked five cigarettes in the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> I need the smooth, rich taste of a Chesterfield. <laughs> uh, then there's a bunch of uh, net foo, and then they yeah. finally catch him, and they, they go up, and they grab him. And then we have one of the most famous lines in movie history, right, Steve? Yeah, where where he requests that they remove their ape hands from his body. That's not what he says. He's <laughs> not polite about it at all. Take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape. Ah, he couldn't use harsher language or we'd lose the G rating. <laughs> <laughs> you hairy son of a bitch. It's not the man ass or the blood or the shooting or the dead the pile of dead bodies when they were hunting the humans. It's 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 not the stuffed humans in the museum. It's this line where he was like, Fuck you, you fucking dirty goddamn <laughs> cocksuckers And the censors went, Oh no. Oh, no shit. no no <laughs> You knuckle dragging fuck, get your goddamn hands the fuck off me. <laughs> Go fling your shit, you cocksucker. Uh, Charlton, we're going to need to just read the line in, from the script, okay? <laughs> the censor threw up. <laughs> like, I was fine up until this point. Uh, your rough cut was rated R. Would you care to guess why? <laughs> it was the ten-minute cussing out scene while I was in the net. I warned you not to let Heston improv. I told you, <laughs> I told you to cut him off. Uh, oh, wait, but we have another iconic line coming up right after that. They put him back in the zoo? Yeah, yeah, something like that. And they're hosing him down with a, a pressurized <laughs> water hose somehow. Yeah, which they have. Which they, you know, they just have. Yeah. And uh, yeah. they separate uh, Nova, because he called, names her Nova. Yeah, that's a and sexy name. Is it? I don't know. And uh, he screams, it's a madhouse. Yep. And uh, then what happens, Steve? Uh, well, he's, they, they leave him alone. 
in his cage for a while, it seems like. Oh, yeah. And then he talks about the woman that was on the spaceship, and apparently she was going to be an Eve yeah. colony. And it, so it kind of turns out that his whole space mission was uh, kind of gross. Yeah, like, <laughs> what? Wait a minute. There's three and dudes and one woman? she killed herself? She's yeah. like, oh, no. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Oops! I cracked my I cracked my space coffin. My my pod's leaking. Oh, help! Help! <laughs> <laughs> she probably you know uh, smashed the controls so that they they flew yeah. too far into the future too. She's like, fuck this. Oh, but now it's time for us to have a, a trial. Yeah, or a hearing. They go into court. They take off his clothes because he's his clothes stink. Yeah. And it's nothing um, to them. They're used to seeing naked humans because humans are just animals. Yeah, and this is where we start arguing about evolution and science denial and um, the dangers of theocracy. And oh boy, this is where all of the social comedy commentary yeah. comes in fast and strong, guys. The allegory makes its presence known. There is no goddamn way you're missing this allegory at this point. No. I've heard lots of other people want to say that it's all about race. It ain't. This movie is not about that. <laughs> it's, it's about race and about six other things. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Rod Serling uh, said, I'm going to be, I'm just going to get it all out. <laughs> I haven't had a Twilight Zone show for five years and damn it, I'm just going to go for it. But the hearing doesn't go well. No. They're not interested in learning the truth. They're convinced that because he can talk that he's some sort of freak or mutant that maybe maybe Dr. Zira made him or yeah. something along those lines. And um, then later, um, Taylor gets a private meeting with Dr. Zayas. Yeah, Dr. Zayas calls him in just so they can have a nice one-on-one and, and like, he says, hey, Hello, Taylor, let's you and me rap. I just wanted to let you know that your friends are probably going to prison and I'm going to cut your brain out. Unless... I'll get it now. This is the sweet part, Taylor. <laughs> Unless you tell me where your tribe is. He's like, I told you for the last time. I don't have a tribe. I hate. I come from a planet of people that I hate. <laughs> and he's like, that's stupid. You come from another tribe somewhere. And you're going to tell us where you have. You have six hours to tell us. Otherwise, I'm going to town on your brain. <laughs> I'm going to do it naked. You want? You don't want that. <laughs> They call that the Zaya special. Yeah, and, but Taylor's like, "What are you afraid of? What do you? What do I represent that you're so scared of, Doctor Zayas?" And he won't answer him. Well, like nothing, nothing. You don't. Yeah, I don't swig you. I'm Doctor Zayas. <laughs> yeah, fuck you. What are you a doctor of? Nothing. That's what I nothing. thought. Get out. Get him out of here. All right. By the way, where is uh, Ape University? Where I got my my doctorate? In, <laughs> it's an <in> ape. <laughs> it's an ape Puerto Rico. Theocracy. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a university in Ape, Puerto Rico, where all the real classy, you know, accredited universities are. So he goes back to uh, goes back to the animal pen thing, yeah. and then this little chimpanzee guy shows up, and he's like, "Hey, uh, they don't want this guy to be be gelded because uh, we're the anti vivisectionist league, and that's totally a thing." 
And then they beat up the guard, and then they sneak out to a cart, and they get away. Yeah, yeah. It him is, it, and him and Nova. Yeah, yeah. It's all it's all a plot by yeah. Cornelius and Zira to to spring him. Yeah, because they don't want him to be cut up because they like him now. Yeah, because he's smart. Zero more than Cornelius. I think yeah. Cornelius is really being a patient boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. Cornelius just doesn't want to piss off his fiance. Yeah, exactly. Oh, all right. Because I'm pretty sure she hits him. <laughs> yes, so dear. Out, I'll go get the horses, dear. They get out of town. The minute he gets out of that that uh, that cage, he grabs a gun. Yeah, and he's like, "Where are we going?" And we're going, "We're going to the Forbidden Zone." Because we forgot to mention, there's a Forbidden Zone. Steve. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 actually where Taylor came from originally. Yeah. And so they're going back in there because Cornelius went there once. And that's where his research is. Yeah. And so they're going there. And now we have, like, wagon train of the apes <laughs> where we're now just following them while they ride horses and they go over stuff. And then they go all the way to the sea where the cave is. And they, as soon as they get there, what happens? Oh, as soon as they get there, a whole bunch of gorillas and Dr. Zayas come riding out. That's right. And they're like, gotcha. <laughs> we knew you were coming to the cave, Cornelius, you jerk. Oh, but but Taylor, excuse me, but Taylor's got Dr. Zayas in his sights, and he's like, I'll shoot you. And so he sends all the gorillas away, and then he's like, hey, look, it's obvious that you don't agree with Dr. With Cornelius and, and Zira's hypothesis about there being intelligent humans and about there being apes that predate this culture that is older than the your current, you know, more evolution yeah. allegory, blah, blah, blah. Your young Earth creationist bullshit. <laughs> anyway, um, let's go up in the cave and see if we can find anything. Yeah. So they go up, yeah. They go up in the cave, find a bunch of bones, find like a dentures and pacemakers and yeah. a little doll. And the doll talks. Uh-oh. Yeah, and, and Taylor's like, why would apes make a human doll that talks? Why would humans make animal dolls that talks to? Shut up. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's a valid point. Yeah. Well, He could have easily have said, because we're creative, we think yeah. it's funny. Yeah, we, we, we make fun of you that way. Duh. Yeah, we anthropomorphize this. Well, I, is that even a word that we can use? But <laughs> we, we anthropomorphize. <laughs> <laughs> we apropomorphize it. Well, I mean, humans are apes, too, technically. So ah, I mean, shit. Make, um, shut up! <laughs> Look, you're not going to be able to talk your way out of this one, Zeus. Yeah, but before anything's settled, they hear gunshots, they mm -hmm. run out of the cave. Turns out the kid that was out there has been overrun by the gorillas. Mm -mm -mm. A gunfight kind of ensues, and then uh, Taylor fakes his own death. <laughs> Yeah, and Zayas, thinking that Taylor is hurt, comes wandering right yeah. out. Oh, I want to see him dead. And, oh, I want to see him bleed to death. Oh, is he hit? Is he hit? Is he hurt bad? Is his brains out? What? Oh, no! And then he gets <laughs> gets captured by Taylor. They tell the apes to leave again. Then he ties up Dr. Zayas. And then he says, I want a horse and I want enough food for a week for me and Nova. He had shaved off his beard. Remember yeah. that? yeah. Which they said and, makes him look less intelligent, which I thought yeah. was a, a pretty good line. Yeah. And then uh, he rides up to Dr. Zayas, and he says, don't follow me. And Dr. Zayas is like, whatever. You're going off to die. You're riding yeah. off into the Forbidden Zone. Who cares? Whatever. My society's <laughs> intact. Yeah. 
And then they say a bunch of stuff that actually didn't happen. They're like, we've proven our theories, so we won't be convicted of heresy. Scientific heresy. I don't know what scientific heresy is, because it doesn't sound like you can commit scientific heresy. It's whatever Dr. Zayas says it is, buddy. I guess. But he's like, yeah, you've helped prove that. Uh, not really. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. Then he kisses Zira. Goodbye. And then he leaves. Yep, he rides oh. off on the horse with Nova. Mm-hmm. And the anti-Doctor, Dr. Zayas? Dr. Zayas is like, you're not going to like what you find. Bye. Yeah. Bye, I'm not going to tell you what you're going to find, but you won't like it. <laughs> and then he yeah. goes, okay, you guys are going to jail. Let's blow up the, the cave. I'm a hero. <laughs> fuck and you, by fuck the way, science. <laughs> uh, this whole time, I've, here are some of the things that were revealed. He's known about human beings for a long time. He's known about the fact that human beings existed before apes. He knew that they were intelligent. He knew that they had language. The reason why he hates Taylor is because human beings are destructive. They destroy everything around them. They eat up all the food. They're bad. Yep. So he's got his pegged, basically. He's got he's his He's basically got his pegged. Turns out Dr. Zayas is the hero of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a little harsh in his methods, but yeah, he's he's got us pretty much dead to rights. Yeah, because we're also supposed to believe that Charlton Heston went from I hate everyone to I miss people. <laughs> <laughs> I found out there's something worse than people, and it's apes. Yeah. Then he rides off, and the movie's over, right, Steve? Nothing else happens. That's well. There is one more. What else? Of... I mean, at this point, once he rides off, you can turn the movie off. You're not going to miss anything. That's... The movie's over. The end, right? Uh, I mean, you probably should watch till the end, though. I mean, why is there a stinger? That sort of, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of important, I guess. He, he he's well, he's riding down the beach and yeah. riding down the beach and riding yeah. down the beach, and then he pulls oh, up. Fun. He pulls up his horse and he's he sees something and there's this thing like this mangled sort of weird metal thing that first we only see it in a reverse shot in the foreground and it yeah. Taylor's like oh shit and he gets down off his horse and he starts pounding the sand and he says you maniacs you blew it up god damn you all to hell and we're like boy uh, that must be something that he's looking he's, at yeah i hope it better have a payoff boy he's really pissed and yeah. we, so we 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 cut to the reverse and pull yeah. back and it's the statue of liberty Oh, 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 wow. The Statue of Liberty is buried <sighs> in the beach. It was Earth all along, man. It wasn't an alien planet. Um, It was Earth. Yeah, I figured it was Earth. It's Earth all along. With all the English and all of the, you know, the baby doll and the glasses. They, they found glasses. and The Forbidden and Zone used to be New York, though. Like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's not, like, that big of a surprise. But, like, I mean, where, where the ship crashed, that could have been, like, Central Park. Who cares? None of it... How... Here's a question. Why is the entire city gone except the Statue of Liberty? It's fucking made out of copper. And it's <laughs> laying right in the water. It's in the ocean. It should have dissolved away centuries ago. It's just one of those things. Like, like, like a bad piece... writing? <laughs> No, it's like, you know, like when a piece of paper will randomly survive an explosion or something. You know, it's just one of those things. Okay. Well, so then what happens? Does he continue writing? And he's like, no! And he finds, like, the the the, the St. Louis Arch. He's like, you blew it up! I forgot you did it, but now I remember! <laughs> the Space Needle! Oh, my God! <laughs> it's just him finding these things. The Golden Gate oh. Bridge! Wrigley Field! Damn you! 
Nothing bad. notable in Hollywood. <laughs> it's an L that might have been from the sign. I'm not sure. I don't know where I'm at right now. <laughs> Big Ben, how did I get here? Damn it. It's all mixed up. <laughs> Ah, the end? That's it, the end. Very cold credits at the end, too. Yeah, yeah. It's the, these kind of credits. Ah, see that? Didn't see that coming. Yeah, it's Now Earth. think about it. <laughs> it's Earth. Fuck you. You just sit there and think about it, humans. You think about what you've done. <laughs> we didn't do anything. I mean, this is a science fiction movie. We're going to blow up anything. Ah, Whatever. Just listen to the ocean while the credits roll. Yeah, look what you, look how you've upset poor Chuck Heston. Meanwhile, Nova's like, what? <laughs> I, I, would you want to clue me in? I don't get this. What is Are this? Are we going to have sex at some point? <laughs> Just, can I have a minute, please? <laughs> the only way this can get worse is if I meet a bunch of people who worship an atomic bomb and who can take their faces off. But what are the odds that that's going to happen? Yeah, that's crazy. That's a pipe dream. That's, that's no. Yeah, that's no, never. that's crazy. <laughs> okay, so really the end? That's, that's really it. the end? That's the end. That's the end. All right. So, Steve, mm-hmm. how do you feel about this science fiction classic? The Planet of the Ape. Apes, plural. <laughs> Sorry. There's more than one ape. That's true. I, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times, you know, when, when, when we talk about this movie, you can't, like, you can't avoid talking about the, the social commentary because it's so there. The overarching allegory. Yeah. The entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, yeah, because it's, I mean, you can't miss it. And as much as I appreciate that, and as much as I appreciate it when, when movies have that, because I, I mean, one of my favorite things is movies that are about things other than what they're literally about. And, mm-hmm. and this is definitely an example of that. Um, I, I think I like it the most be- just for its goofy, pulpy adventure aspects. Like, that, I think that's what it does best. And I think that's sort of where, you know, where its heart lies. Like there, there is def- the, the social commentary is definitely there and is, and obviously is there by design. It's not like they just added that. Cause clearly, you know, if Rod Serling was writing it, he wasn't going to just say, and we'll throw some social commentary into shit, you know? Um, yeah. But but I think it works the best as just a goofy pulp science fiction movie about astronauts that get stranded on this crazy planet and, you know, find out that it's flipped and there's apes that are dominating humans instead of the other way around. Like, I just I think it works the best as that, because the social commentary, um, as we mentioned during the synopsis, it's it's a little all over the place. Yep. It can't really it can't really pick which subject it wants to satirize or comment no. on. Um, I mean, because... because Wait, what is this movie about again, Charlie? I have no idea. Just look, they're just apes, okay? Just forget it. They're just apes. <laughs> well, because, I mean, you can... And it, you you can take it as as many different things. And if you... I think it almost if, if you pick one and you just try to ignore the other possibilities, it almost makes it a better movie. Mm-hmm. Be, because it you can read it as a commentary on how humans treat animals. You can read it as a commentary on race relations. You can mm-hmm. read it. And that, you know, there's always, there's the science versus religion aspect of it. That is, yep. that, that really comes on strong in the second half, like out of nowhere, all of a sudden you're like, Oh, oh shit. So it's about re- 
religion and science too. Damn. Yep. It's um, everything. Yeah. There's just so it's much. A whole season of Star Trek in oh one my God. movie. Yeah. Again. Yeah. It really. It really feels like 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 Serling had all of this bottled up after Twilight Zone was canceled, and he was like, "I'm just going for it. Fuck it. They gave me a movie. I'm just going to throw it all in here." And you know it's it's a little didactic, and it's a little no. it's, it's a little <laughs> clumsy. It's a little you know it's not handled this as smoothly as you might hope. Um, so while I appreciate it, and while I'm happy that the effort was made, because it's it's nice to see like a science fiction film that at least tried to say something other than yeah. space adventure. You know, like I appreciate mm-hmm. that. But ultimately, I think what makes it a good movie, and I do think it is a good movie, I do I do enjoy it, um, is that it is like a goofy pulp space adventure, and mm. and the, the 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 social commentary it almost feels intrusive at times, um, and you know there are other things about it like the 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 climax is kind of awkwardly put together where like he he takes Doctor Zayas hostage twice to get out of a jam which is a little weird it's like oh shit how yeah. the the gorillas are back how's he gonna get out of this one this time uh, he does mm. the same thing he just takes Doctor Zayas hostage again oh right. okay you know it seems a little weird. Um, and you know they they set up having Taylor be the only one of the three surviving astronauts getting getting captured, and then the they kind of forget about the other two guys. And, oh, we forgot about one ourselves because they go out and yeah. find Landon, and his, he's had a lobotomy. He's been uh, yeah, he's been given the uh, the RP McMurphy treatment. Oh yeah, he was. <laughs> you know. And then Taylor picks up the water fountain and throws it out the window. <laughs> runs to freedom um but yeah i just i i I think it gets uh, a lot of people still talk about it and it gets brought up by you know film critics and and by movie nerds a lot for its social commentary and for its allegory but i to me it works best as like the astronaut and gorilla movie um which probably wasn't the intention of the filmmakers i think they you know maybe wanted it to be viewed more as oh it's it's an intelligent movie and it has things to say about issues that matter and and it does but that's not what it's best at like it's best at being an adventure movie and like just a goofy pulpy movie and that's why i like it and that's what i appreciate about it um the, the the social commentary and the sort of attempts to be an allegory or a satire don't quite come off uh because they're a little clunky and a little confused and they just can't pick one theme to focus on it feels like they just threw everything up there that they wanted to say um, and it's which you know they, they just hold back you're going to do four more of these movies like, they just, don't know that yet I know I know it's like you, you think you know looking looking back you think man if they would have just like, make the second movie about the religion stuff you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but yeah I mean I, I like it the, the short the short answer is I, I do think it's a good movie it's a fun movie I enjoy it I like seeing Charlton Heston snarl that's just a thing I just enjoy <laughs> it and I just I, I think it's a good fun movie so there you go Okay. Well, I will... There are two kinds of sci-fi when it comes to film and, for the most part, in books as well. There's allegorical sci-fi and there's adventure Mm sci-fi. Adventure sci-fi would be Star Wars. Okay? Yeah. Use the trappings of science fiction, but it's mostly just an adventure story. 
And then there is message sci-fi or allegorical sci-fi. Um, or message sci-fi, I'll, I'll say that as well. 2001, which came out on the same day that this movie came out, <laughs> yep. is message sci-fi, okay? He's telling this great, big, huge, sweeping story about people um, using the trappings of science fiction. And this is the only way that you can really use it, and that is, you know, making a commentary on the human experience, about human advancement, and all of this other stuff um, through sci-fi. This one... And I think you're right. It bit off way too many topics. It bit off way mm-hmm. too many. It was trying to say way too much about way too many things. It, the Taylor character is an isolationist. He does not like people anymore. He is jaded and he is sitting on just a buttload of anger. <laughs> and he does not trust or like people anymore. I mean, come on. He may have a lower opinion of human beings than Dr. Zayas yeah. until he meets Dr. Zayas. You know, he's like, <laughs> if they had met in a bar and they were just talking, he's like, well, I'll tell you this much. Human beings will destroy everything. He would have sat there and, and gone, you know what Dr. says? You and me, we're, we're best friends now. <laughs> you and me, we completely agree on people. And I hate them too. I'll, you know what? I'll, I'll find them for you and you kill them. <laughs> <laughs> but you have this kind of, you have the... Uh, you have the person that is uh, sick of humanity, no longer no longer trusts, likes, has a very low opinion of humanity, despite the fact that he is traveling at the speed of light on a fucking accomplishment of humanity, <laughs> launching themselves off into the stars. And he's like, fucking people, god damn it. <laughs> and then when we get onto the Planet of the Apes, I can see how some people want to see it as a commentary on race, and I can kind of see it as that. I can see it how some people are like, this is how we treat animals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how does that make you feel, humanity? When we kill animals and we pile them up in a pile and we take pictures. Does it make you feel good? <laughs> and then we go into the whole science denial thing. And the thing about the science denial thing is that, unfortunately, that still resonates now. Yeah, boy. Fuck, I wish it didn't. <laughs> God damn it. This movie is older than me, and I'm older than fuck. And this this part of the whole religion versus science thing is still a fucking thing? Really? God damn it! <laughs> the problem is, is that that basic thing about the denial of evidence that is right in front of people because it, it is inconvenient for that society to recognize it still speaks to what we're fucking going through now. And maybe not about evolution so much, but there's... Take your pick. I know there's one that you all thought of the minute I started talking about this. It has something to do with climate and the end of our fucking species on this goddamn planet. <laughs> yep. Where probably apes will take over. Then it'll... Fuck it. Why not? The bonobos will be like, hey, man, they're all gone. We can fuck wherever we want now. <sighs> So, yeah, there's a lot of allegory. There's a lot of allegory. Yeah. Um, I find uh, most of the allegory in there compelling. Unlike Steve, who just likes pew-pew and, hey, look, funny monkeys, I like <laughs> a little meat with my potatoes. I like a little Star Trek mixed in. And that's what this was. You could easily, this could have been Kirk. Kirk and Spock and McCoy beam down. <laughs> they get their, st- they get, hey, look, let's go swimming naked. Spock's like, okay, I guess, I don't know. And then they get all their clothes stolen. And then Kirk, you know, discovers the the difference is is that Kirk doesn't have a speech at the end where he fixes everything and then beams off the planet. (laughs) Bye! (laughs) Also, Kirk totally would have closed the deal with Nova. Yeah. 
This movie also does something that normally a lot of other science fiction movies would not have done at the time, and that is, turns out Dr. Sayus was right. Mm-hmm. Turns out his motivations were based, yes, they were based on fear, but they were also based on the idea that Dr. Zayas understood that the reason their society exists is because humankind destroyed their own civilization, and he does not want them to get a second bite at that apple. <laughs> And, yes, he's done some harsh things. He does some awful things. And, um, yeah, we feel bad for, for Taylor, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but then the movie confirms that Dr. Zayas is right. Because up until that point where he's like, what will you find out there, Doctor? His destiny! Okay. And we're kind of like, okay, well, I guess Dr. Zayas and the whole society is going to live in denial. Well, that's stupid because people were great and they had people beforehand and I guess they all disappeared and oh, they destroyed their own. Oh, it's us. Oh, we suck. <laughs> oh, goody, we suck. Isn't that great? Hey, everybody, guess what? We suck. <laughs> Taylor at the beginning of the movie was right. <laughs> so it has that kind of ending gut punch and I kind of like that. Yeah. I kind of like that ending gut punch. Now, does this movie have problems? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. There's no money for anything else. My complaints about Ape City seeming like... You, there are truck stops that are more heavily populated than Ape City. <laughs> and, you know, the, the script wrote checks that the production company could not cash. The, the script alludes to a massive city with thousands, if not millions of apes and a very large culture. But it doesn't feel much bigger than the the huts that are crowded around this artificial lake right. in, in the Los Angeles mountains. Um, the makeup effects still hold out, for the most part. Yeah. Uh, costuming was interesting and neat. The music is interesting and neat. Um, it feels like... The, the odd thing about it is, for uh, a classic film, it feels like a small movie, right? And that's because I don't think they spent a whole lot of money on other stuff. They were mainly concerned about making sure that they could make the, the makeup effects work. So do I think it's a classic film? Yeah. Do I think it, the allegory works for me? Yep, unfortunately it still does in several areas. Um, now, uh, to argue Steve's point, the remake of this tried to fix some of the problems that it saw yeah. in the original. In the original, the climax of this film is the confrontation in the cave. Literally the climax of this movie are people arguing about science in a cave. Yeah. It's not some fucking shootout. It's not a chase scene. It's not a great big battle. In the remake, the climax of that movie is a great big battle between humans and apes. That movie is a fart. No one remembers it. It's no. gone. They remember this one. Even though there's no major scenes, there's no major epic battles, there's no gunfight, you know, Dr. Zayas does not die. He's inconvenienced briefly while he's tied up. <laughs> he looks a little uncomfortable. Heston kills one ape in the yeah. course of the film. He just shoots one from far away. Who was shooting at him? That's it. That's, that's some total. Yeah. And that's because this movie isn't concentrating on epic. It's not an epic film. It wanted to tell, make its points and get out. And it made its points and it got out. So do I think, can I, do I like this? I like this for the opposite reason that Steve likes it. I like it for the message and not necessarily the goofy space stuff. Because the goofy space stuff isn't goofy enough for me. I mean, it's so, <laughs> it's so dumb, Steve. I have oh, to. Oh, it totally is. Here's the thing. There's no way. There's no way everyone spoke English. There's no way, Steve. No, not absolutely not. There's, you're right. Hey, but, you know, in the sequel, it gets even nuttier because they somehow send a rescue mission. Yeah, How does I know. that work? I, I don't even want to. Even, <laughs> I can't. 
And I know in the book, in the original book, it's actually a Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah. The and book doesn't have the same ending. Yeah. Yeah, Taylor leaves. And also, the apes occupy the buildings that the humans did beforehand. They basically took over. They have they have cars and they have helicopters. And they have universities and they have an entire society. And that was in the original scripts. And the studio went, "That's too expensive. No, we can. We're not doing that." Which is why we get a tiny ape city. So, I mean, do I think it's a classic? Yes. Do I think uh, the remakes? No one's gonna. No one's. Gonna, I don't think is going to attempt to remake this film. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. They won't. It's one of the reasons why they concentrated on the prequels. Mm-hmm. Because the remaining films after after Planet of the Apes, it was diminishing returns. By the time they got around to Paul Williams playing one of the orangutans, <laughs> people were just like, what? This, they're still making these? <laughs> when they're literally filming the entire thing in Griffith Park, and they're not even building an ape city anymore, They just everyone lives in treehouses or something, I don't know. Battle of the Planet of the Apes is more like small skirmish amongst t- two tiny armies for the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> And that one has John Huston in it at the very end. Yes, it does. He's like, oh, I'm in a movie, and I'm going to play an ape at the end. Hey, work's work. <laughs> so, Steve, classic, not classic? Oh, classic. Oh, very yeah. Much so. I, 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 I really, yeah. The, I, mov- the movie has its problems. The movie can get really draggy if you've seen it more than once. It can get real draggy. There's padding galore. But you know, I what you said about how, especially comparing it to the 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 two thousand one remake, uh, the Tim Burton one, where you know there's it, it it tries to overcompensate with throwing too much action in. I mean, yeah, yeah you're right. The this one, the original, it 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 does have its sort of dry passages. It does have its its slow passages. Yeah. But uh, assuming that you can't make a perfect movie, I mean, I would rather have a movie that is a little bit slower and a little dull for a few minutes at a time than than have a movie yeah. that goes too far in the opposite direction where it's just action, 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 action to the point where the action loses all meaning. And then yeah. it, and then that becomes boring. You know, yeah, it's, I mean, the movie itself, the movie itself, all the actors that are in the makeup are still remarkably expressive. Oh, yeah. And they turn in great performances. Chuck Chuck Heston turns in a good performance. He usually does. I mean, it's one of his grimace and yell performances. <laughs> but, I mean... He commits he to it. Doing. He commits to it. Yeah. Even Linda Harrison, who plays Nova, who has no lines in the movie, she does a decent job emoting. Yeah. You'd overthrow ape society for her. I would. <laughs> don't say... Don't even try to say you wouldn't. <laughs> So yeah, classic, Steve. Yes. Please tell me you have a, uh, another movie that you want to recommend. And also, after this, guys, recommendations are going to change a little bit. And I haven't told Steve about this yet. Uh oh. But I'm going to make our our jobs more difficult. Oh man. Anyway, so Steve, do you have a movie you'd like to recommend? Oh man. Oh man. Uh, yes, I do actually. Um, okay, go. Well, you know, one of my one of my favorite things about the original Planet of the Apes is all of the cool connections to one of my favorite TV shows, The Twilight Zone. Right. Uh, not only was it written by Rod Serling, but of course the cast includes Roddy McDowell, who starred in a classic Twilight Zone episode, and also uh, James Whitmore, who was in some classic Twilight Zones. Uh, yep. James Daly, who was in one of my very favorite Twilight Zone episodes ever, A Stop at Willoughby. Um, 
and also was in a Star Trek as well. He was Methuselah in Requiem for, or uh, you know, he was Flint in Requiem for Methuselah. Um, mm-hmm. And so lots of really cool Twilight Zone connections to Planet of the Apes. So the movie I'm recommending is another movie that also stars Charlton Heston that okay. was made a few years after this that also has a cool Twilight Zone connection. The movie I am recommending is a little film from 1971 called The Omega Man. Oh, the Omega Man! Yes, based on that book that they can never get right when they adapt. It. Yeah, it's based on it. <laughs> it's based on an awesome novel that everyone misses the point about. Yeah, by Richard <laughs> Matheson, one of the core writers of the Twilight Zone. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably, uh, arguably, second only to Rod Serling. Perhaps you could make a case for Charles Beaumont, who was also awesome. But uh, Richard Matheson, one of the great writers on the Twilight Zone, one of the great television writers of that period, and and a great writer of of, of uh, just in general. And this is based on I Am Legend, his classic dystopian sort of sci-fi horror novel. Uh, that is one of my favorites, and yeah, you're right. Nobody who has adapted it has ever gotten it quite right, and nope. and especially the endings. Y- yes, yes, and and it's true for this one as well. This the Omega Man is by no means if if you love the book and you go to the Omega Man hoping to see um, a worthy adaptation of I Am Legend, you'll probably be disappointed because uh, it makes a lot of changes, and also it, yeah, the ending is different. It kind of misses the point that Matheson is trying to make in the book. Yep. Um, but as a sort of in the same way that I just said, that the, the the parts of Planet of the Apes that I tend to prefer are the goofy adventure parts. Uh, the Omega Man is Charlton Heston running around fighting mutants in post-apocalyptic Los Angeles. Yep. So if that's the sort of thing you like, you're going to like the Omega Man. Um, and yeah, it's 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 uh, Heston as Neville, the hero uh, of of I Am Legend. And uh, in, in I Am Legend, he's fighting vampires in the Omega Man. They're just sort of mutants. They're not really called vampires. Um, but he's the last surviving man after this uh, terrible apocalypse that uh, wiped out humanity. And uh, he's the only human left, as far as he knows, at the beginning. And, uh, yeah, there you go. It's just, it's, 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 uh, uh, to me, it's part of, Heston sort of has this, this cheesy sci-fi uh, dystopian future trilogy that he did in in the sixties and seventies, where you have Planet of the Apes, and then there's this movie, The Omega Man, and then there's also Soylent Green, where he he yeah. he has this little sort of side pocket of his career, where he's like, yeah, I did Touch of Evil, I did Ten Commandments, <laughs> I'm you know what, I'm just gonna slum it for a while, and yeah, and it's some of his most fun work, I think. I, I love I love this period of Charlton Heston's career. Uh, so I'm tired. I'm just gonna get paid. <laughs> I'll just try to remember the lines and screw it. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, and it's like you say, it's as you said about him in Planet of the Apes, it's one of his his yelling and snarling performances. But I, that's fun to me. I like that. It's not his best work as an actor, but it's it's a lot of fun to watch. And there you go. If you enjoyed Planet of the Apes for some of the same reasons that I enjoyed it, and you haven't seen the Omega Man for a while, or heaven forbid you've never seen it at all, my goodness, run right out and see it. That's my that's my recommendation. The Planet or the the Omega Man. Yay! Yay. Well, as everyone knows, I like to recommend a movie from the same year of the movie that we just reviewed. It was 1968. As we've already mentioned, 2001 came out on the same day as this movie. And a whole bunch of other really good movies came out, so I'm going to have to recommend a movie that isn't necessarily good (laughs) but it is fun it was directed by Peter Bogdanovich 
Now, you're like, Jason, but Peter Bogdanovich, he's a good director. He makes great movies. I'm like, yeah, he does. Um, He made this one for um, Roger Corman. <laughs> and he put his own name on it, Derek Thomas, rather than Peter Bogdanovich, for some reason. Oh, I know why. Um, maybe it had something to do with the star of the movie, which was Mamie Van Doren. Don't know who that is? Type in her name into Google Image Search. Do it. Do it now. <laughs> we'll wait. <laughs> we'll wait. Well, we'll give you 15 minutes alone with any image of Mamie you Van might, Doren. You might want to pause it. You'll have to pause the podcast. Yeah. The movie I'm going to recommend, and I'm only recommending this for Camp and Kitsch. This is the goofiest, stupidest, awfulest movie that you can just laugh at and throw food at the screen while you watch it. It has no message. It has nothing to give it approaching a message. The movie I'm going to recommend, and I don't even have to tell you the plot, because it tells you it in the title. The movie that I'm going to recommend is Voyage to the Planet of Prehistoric Women. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Do I have to tell you what the movie's about? <laughs> it's about a voyage to a planet of prehistoric <laughs> Interesting. So while it shares some of the DNA to Planet of the Apes, that's about it, is the word planet. Um, and now to announce the change to the recommendations. I routinely, every week, I listen to every podcast that we produce. <laughs> and I realize something, Steve. Yeah? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to recommend a good movie after we've watched a good movie. Okay. Does it? I guess not. When we watch a bad movie, like, say, Heaven's Gate, it makes sense to want to recommend something for people to go see, right? I gotcha. I see. Yeah. So when we say something's a classic and we think it's a good movie, then we should tell people a movie that they should actively avoid. (laughs) I like it. I like it. We'll call it our (laughs) anti-recommendations. This recommend the recommendations that we will when we give a movie uh, a, a really good review to a movie we're going to recommend a couple of movies for people not to see under any circumstances. Steve and I have watched a lot of movies, haven't we? Steve? I would say we've watched more than our fair share. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So we're going to recommend a movie that we don't think is worth your time or effort to see. That way, you guys don't waste your time on Netflix or doing. We don't want you guys to lose time that you're never going to get back. And and we didn't warn people about them, right, Steve? You know what? Yeah, this we're going to sleep a lot easier with this new uh, recommendation this convention new here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to stick still stick to the same thing in which I'm going to take a movie from that same year. But if it's if we did a good movie and I have to recommend you not see something, it'll be from that year. And there's boy, that'll be easy, won't it, Steve? I'm just doing this to make my life easier. <laughs> I can find a shitty movie easier than a good movie. Okay. That's right. So that's going to be the change. Yeah. We need to do this again. Oh yeah, we should. We should do another episode of this. Hey, you know what? I kind of want to do a. I'm feeling a little mm-hmm. culty. Oh, I see. Okay. I want to do a movie that's a little culty. Okay. Yeah. And a little. Um, exploity. Ooh. <laughs> and a little makes me feel funny in my pants uh, area. <laughs> maybe, uh, may- maybe a little naughty. A little, just a little naughty. I got you. Sure. Um, but fun. Yeah. And, um, that everyone kind of knows about, but I don't think very many people have seen. They definitely know the title. Yeah. Okay. I think for our next review, we should review the classic film. Mm-hmm. Faster, pussycat. Ooh. Kill, kill. Oh, I like it. 
I think I, I I think we should definitely review that. I think I definitely should watch it five or six <laughs> times before we do this podcast. I'm going through it frame by frame. <laughs> My wife no longer speaks to me. So you heard it from here, guys. If you want to get all the jokes and you really want to watch Professor Pussycat Kill Kill, then please go find it. Go watch it. You, if you haven't seen it before, oh boy. Oh, I'm jealous of you. Oh, I remember the first time. I was scared of that movie. I, I'll, I'll say this before we review it. I was scared of that movie. I thought it was going to be something awful and I was going to hate every minute of it. And it turns out it's one of my favorite things in the whole world. <laughs> you were afraid it was going to be about a cat that went on a killing spree. <laughs> That's right. It- <laughs> In a souped-up car. (laughs) Just wanted to drive as fast as it possibly could and kill as many people as it could. Damn straight, but it's not. Oh, it's not. It's a much different movie than that. Oh, yeah, it is. (laughs) That that sounds like that would be a cool movie, too. No, no, not after. No, guys, go out and watch it. If you haven't seen it, boy, you're in for a treat. If you have, there is no reason for you to not watch it again, is there? No, there isn't. You want to get the jokes, right? You want to know what we're talking about when we review it. So True. come on, you got to go watch it. All right. Well, um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, you guys. And until next time, this has been Jason Harding, and uh, go see a movie this week. And this has been Steve Shives. Chalk up another victory to the human spirit. What? This? Yeah. Was this a victory for the human spirit? Yeah, why not? What, what, what part of the humans? We're, we're, we're deeply cynical. Yeah, but we have fun. True, okay, so cynical fun. Cynical fun. Chuck one up for cynical fun, everybody. Chuck up another victory for cynicism. <laughs> you don't think that this podcast is the reason why he has such a... <laughs> He's like, he walked into the spaceship going, I've load- downloaded 9,000 podcasts oh, boy. for my 30,000 year trip into space. I love humanity and I love everything about it. And then when he was finished with the podcast, he was like, I hate humanity and I hope it all dies. It's so easy to be a critic. Have they ever tried to make a film? (laughs) I liked Titanic. (laughs) And why should I be made to feel bad about it? (laughs) They even, they gave a, they gave kind of a mixed review to this movie. I didn't think the climax was quirky at all. We didn't give it a mixed review. We just because no. it's creaky and old doesn't we mean both, we didn't like it. We both, hey, listen, Charlton Heston in the future, listening to this podcast, we both really like the movie that you're in right now while you're yeah. listening to this, okay? Also, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you left the Earth in the 70s, how could you have seen Titanic? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. And how are you listening? Joke guys at the end of the podcast. <laughs> and how are you listening to podcasts? Podcasts don't yeah. exist in the 70s either. You left in 1970-something. You should be listening to phono gold records. What, see? Hey. This, this, is how, but this, this is how cynical we are. We're pointing out the plot holes in our own premise. <laughs> we got a problem. We, we're, 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 we need help. <laughs> Hold me. <laughs> Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts.
Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemmy Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Listen. And thanks for listening.